Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park You are now listening to the hottest true crime podcast in the streets. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to another episode of Affirmative Murder. I am Alvin Williams, joined as always by my partner in true crime, Francel Evans. Oh, yes, wait a minute, Mr. Postman. Yeah, man, I'm the mailman. Can't you tell, man? Gonna post a- What up, friend? What's up? Did the Stimmy hit? Yes. Oh, you got the Stimmy? Yes. Man, give it up for my boy one time. <laughs> yes. The Stimmy hit crazy. And you got yes. dependents. I got the Life is good. I was like, Hold up, what? Zebra steaks on you. What? Living lavish, friend. Heavy. How does it feel to be in the 1%? Uh, I mean, man, uh, what is that wealth like? I don't even know opulence like that. <laughs> you ain't hit, it ain't hit you? Uh, I ain't hit me yet. I don't Anybody know. Hit you. Anybody hit you yet. Uh, Steph ain't get hers yet. Okay, I got mine, man. though. Live, man. Live, first day. Bro. This is the second time. What'd you the do? Le- What'd you do? How'd you flex? What's the first flex you did? You got a premium gas? No, nah, I put it in my savings account. Oh, boring. <laughs> uh, anyway, friend, how you doing, man? How's, how you doing? You know, I'm doing good. The weather was beautiful this week. For a couple of days. It got cold. It got, it got it dropped got, back down to cold, but one yeah. of the days was like immaculate. Yeah, I it, got, like it, was like it got a bit nippy. or something. It was crazy. Yeah, but the other couple of days, it was very nice. I mean, I, I enjoyed it at work, but other than that, it's been cool. How about you? Oh, no complaints, man. It was, you know, just a regular uh, work, uh, a regular week of work. Mm-hmm. And then before you got here, I actually started watching this documentary. Everybody needs to watch this documentary. What is it called? It's called Fake Famous. It's on Fake HBO Famous. Max. It is incredible. It's like there's this documentary on Netflix about how social media is or like how the how the internet is fucking people up and they're stealing your stealing your information and yeah. you know all that kind of shit. That like, shit is crazy. Yeah, it's fucking I can't I think it's called the social network or social experiment, something like that. Yeah. Anyway, Fake Famous is about how in, internet fame and Instagram fame is like the most coveted thing in the world right now and how mm-hmm. it's fucking people up and it's basically this it's, it's not basically it is it's a social experiment where the this the director he 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 uh you know he or he he gathers uh like a an, an avengers team of social media experts hairstylists you know uh uh, uh, uh um um uh, what is it called when you dress people uh Stylist, oh, stylist, stylist, oh. and they take three people. They uh-huh. ha- they hold this they hold this casting call of hundreds of people, mm-hmm. and they pick three people that they choose to make Instagram famous. Oh shit! And they show you how bullshit it is. Mm-hmm. I'm only halfway through. I haven't finished it, but they like the first things they do is like 
they they pick the three categories of people. So it's like fashion, person, okay, uh, athlete, mm-hmm. model, whatever. And then they pick those three people and they put those in, put them into those categories. And then they buy them followers and they take pictures in backyards and yeah. then geo and put the geo tag as somewhere else. L.A. and shit. Yeah, well, they're in L.A. Oh. But it's like they geotag it as like I'm at the Four Seasons oh, Hotel, okay. oh like that. poolside. Oh, okay, but they're yeah. just like in the backyard of a house. Yeah. But it's them oh, it's drinking great. champagne. Yeah. And, you know. Oh, it's all bullshit. And it's like I already knew that, but to see a documentary portray it was crazy to me. It's like you know that, but it's like, but the thing about it is like I had this problem with um the my mentor I have you know for real estate or whatever. I talk to him sometime and I go. I go, I had, I get caught up with seeing social media and you see people being successful at stuff that you want to be successful in. He was like, a lot of it's the one thing he told me, he was like, yeah, but don't get caught up in that because you don't know the losses those people took. You know, you don't know if they broke even. Yeah. And he was like, he also said that um, most of that stuff is, is bullshit. Don't get, yeah. don't get caught up in that. You can rent a nice car. And it's, it's crazy. You can like, sit in somebody's nice car and take a picture. Right. But you get caught up in that. But you not knowing, and you just social media. You just it, it's so much stuff at one time. You yeah. just go, you sitting home watching. It's like what the fuck. It's a psychological. It, it fucks people up. Yeah, man. For it, sure. there are there are experiments that, or there are science studies conducted that show that a lack of likes in today's society and stuff makes people like depressed. Yeah, you know, a lack of feeling like people are in are like super excited for what you're doing. Yeah. Like if you just got a new car, you don't even feel as excited about the new car if every if people when you post it, you don't get enough likes about the new car. Yeah. You're more excited why. that people see that you got a new car than even just having the new car. Yeah. And this documentary really focuses in on that. It like zooms in on like LA culture and people moving there. And there's like, you know, every single person if you ask them in LA is like, oh I'm uh, you know, I'm modeling and acting. But they just work at American Apparel or something. Yeah. Now, they want to do that. But, no, how do you pay your bills? <laughs> I work at the Cheesecake Factory. But, no, they go, I'm, I'm a modeling act, actor, you know. But the percentages of that, it's probably one in every thousand people in L.A. are making a living acting or modeling or whatever the thing is that they move out there for. But that is so bold, though. So it's just this city of broken dreams, man, and lies and people. It's Tinsel, That's why it's Tinseltown for a reason. It's all bullshit. Yeah. I gotta it's check that out. Fascinating. It is fascinating. What's the other one you were just talking about? It's on Netflix. I can't remember the name of it, but it's called People are fucking screaming at their at their phones right now. It it's on Netflix. It's called The Social Dilemma. That's what it The Social oh, Dilemma where's is your, what it's where's called. Where's your phone? My phone's right here. Open up your phone right now. Go to Instagram, right? Go to Instagram. Go to Instagram. Just have it open. Just tell me something that you, you, you want to buy off Amazon or something. Oh, I already too. know that. I already that know that. That shit is crazy. I already know that. That's but I wanted to do it now so we can screenshot it. But it's yeah. fine. But oh, we, that we, shit we is can wild. do that. Um man, I really love watches and I can't wait to get a new watch sometime soon. <laughs> and then and by tomorrow it'll be a whole bunch of watches. That shit is I more, go more, spe- more specifically, me and Sierra have been enjoying this brand of like uh hippie chips called Pitos. Uh-huh. They're made out of like pea protein. Yeah. And we just talked about them in the house from eating them. Yeah. Never ordered them offline or anything like that. And then I go on Instagram, Facebook, whatever, and there's just ads, ads. for pedos. It's like that's what, what the, the fuck? social dilemma focuses on. That, that. I definitely want to. That's that more too. of like the them selling your data, the phones that are listening crazy, to you. That's a man. lot. That's a lot darker of a documentary. Fake famous is still while still dark because it it brings up some st- some statistics like they the documentary starts off like you know 50 years ago. Here's a list. There's here's a graph of mm-hmm. you know jobs that kids said they wanted to be. Yeah, and now. Most kids, I can't remember the percentage they said, say they want to be a social media influencer when they grow up. As over like a doctor, lawyer, firefighter, but that's whatever. That's all you hear, though. 
It's like they go, yeah, I'm a social. It's like, but are you? It's like, it's yeah. like they give that. Oh, it's insane. Themselves. It's so crazy that now they've made a thing where you could be a micro influencer. And that just means you have like 5,000 followers or less. So now they've made all these categories to where you can call yourself whatever you want. If you have 5,000 followers on Instagram, you're, that's nothing. You're just like yeah. a social per- you're just like a social person. Yeah. You don't have any kind of sway on the world, but you if you choose to use it that way, you can go to a company and say, "Hey, I'm a micro influencer. I have 6500 followers on Instagram. Do you want me to sell your tea?" That's why I always just I go off of I go off of likes before I go off of follower count. Yeah. Right? Because if you have 15,000 followers but only 20 people like your pictures, then it's bullshit. Something you, right. It's something. Something's not right. And you. And also, it's like, what does that mean? It, yeah. it doesn't mean anything. That's why I get when when we're talking about people. You know, like when you're talking about your real estate stuff, and you're talking about these people. You, I go, but like it's a picture. No matter how many followers that person has, no matter how cool the picture looks, if if you don't feel the weight behind the picture, then what is it? It's all just for show. Yeah. You know, if I can't post something like what felt, what was the most amazing thing to me was. When I started the uh, the virtual food drive mm-hmm. for the Maryland Food Bank and got $1,000 in a week. Mm-hmm. That was amazing to me. If you can't galvanize those bots on these social media platforms, then what does it matter what the number says? Yeah. But people get caught up in that shit. Just watching it down there. There was a scene where they showed the guy goes, all right, so I'm going to go on this website. It's called Famoids. Mm-hmm. F-A- I don't even know if it's still open after this documentary, but <laughs> they might have shut it down. But it's called Famoids, F-A-M-O-I-D-S. And he went on there. He was like, I'm going to buy him 7,500 followers. I'm going to buy her 7,500 followers. I'm going to buy him 7,500 followers. And then they show them. Now, they're fake, Fran. They're yeah. bots. They're fake. They're not real, but the number goes up. But and imagine owning that company, though. The fam, you, a fortune. Bro, 7,500 followers, 120 bucks. 120. Quick. Somebody just go swipe Easy. the card. It's like buying uh, eat. E currency, like if you if you play two K, yeah, you're know, like I want a new jersey for my yeah. character. Click. That quick, you could do it. Wow. Swipe your credit card or put the numbers in. Hundred twenty dollars, seventy five hundred followers, and then they go to them. They show them at their individual apartments, staring at their phone, happy. Look at the number going up. I can't believe it. It's crazy. Look at all these uh, follows. That's what they're fake. I think they know that they're fake. Maybe they don't. It's I didn't get to that part in the documentary yet. Maybe they think it's just they're making me famous. Maybe they don't know that they're fake. But if they know that they're fake, why would I be like, yo, the numbers going up is crazy. It's not crazy. It's all calculated. They bought them. Yeah. Uh, the documentary's incredible. It's like, I'm so glad. I think we talked about this. I'm so glad that we were brought up in like before the whole social media thing. I feel bad for these kids, man. They're it's, zombies. It's like, it's like now it's like there's no. Like if you were born bad. after 1997, you're just like a, you're it's, just like a there's no. It's like there's no dream. You, you don't. What happened to like, I want to do this, you know, when I grow up. That shit, it's crazy, man. Yeah. That's it's weird. Whew. It's weird, bro. It's a weird time. <laughs> wow. But so, so fake famous on HBO Max. What a documentary! I'm only like out. halfway through it, but it's incredible. On to some. I got a, I got a long list of some, se- from depressing to somber to just bummer news. Oh. So I, I wanted to start with some some laughs on the on the fake famous documentary. Yeah. But uh, in some very somber news, it's uh, it's been one year since the murder of Breonna Taylor. Mm-hmm. The murder of Breonna Taylor. Um. The people responsible have still not been brought to justice. The trial continues, and Derek Chauvin is still uh, going through his court proceedings. Um, How is this taking I, so long, guys? I, I mean, I don't. I, I think that they, I think that they want to give him as lenient of a sentence as possible, and then they have to try to brace for the 
anarchy and the chaos that's going to ensue because they know they can't just let him walk. Yeah. But whatever they give him is going to be a slap in the face to a bunch of people. So that's why they're boarding up businesses in Louisville and, Mm. you know, there's police presence outside. They already, I think they just already know. We saw a similar thing with the Freddie Gray case. I mean, you know, um, they, they already knew that, you know, they weren't going to give a very drastic sentence to most of the people. So they prepared and they put warnings out before the case and before the the verdict and everything. Mm. So I think we're going through a similar type of situation and they're really dragging it out. I think they already dropped the um, charges back to third degree murder or manslaughter. I think that's manslaughter. I'm not really sure. I don't want to speak out of term. But either way, um, Breonna Taylor was murdered and uh, it's been a year and, you know, prayers to her family and I hope justice finds its way to you and in whatever form that that looks like. And, you know, um, it was an atrocity and, you know, I hope that all that works out. Um, and some somber news, uh, a case that you did in episode 94 of the podcast, uh, the Kendrick Johnson case, yeah. uh, is being reopened. Yes. Uh, I guess applause for that. Um, the case being reopened doesn't necessarily mean that it didn't happen in the way that they said it happened, but we, neither of us believe that it happened the way that they said it happened. Mm-hmm. So, um, if it's an open and honest investigation, um, I hope that they find some, new answers and yeah. the family can get some closure for those of you who aren't familiar with the Kendrick Johnson case. Uh, he was a 14, 15 year old boy mm-hmm. from somewhere around there who the, the official story is uh, he was in gym class. He left his shoes underneath a rolled up mat. He tried to climb up the mat and go into it to mm-hmm. get his shoes or, yeah, first. S- or mm-hmm. something. And then the mat, and then he fell into it. Yeah. And then he just was trapped yeah. and he's, he died. He suffocated in there. Yeah. With no organs in his body. With no organs in his body, the timeline of that is more complicated than yeah, that. Yeah, but sure. that is a simplification. That yeah, is yeah. at a point when they exhumed his body, or some some point in this whole Kendrick Johnson case, the first t- go around, his body didn't have any organs. In yeah, it. they said it was a miss, a screw up at the coroner's office or something like that. Anyway, the the point is there was a a guy who they said was a bully who went to the school. Who his dad worked for the FBI. There's a lot of weird coincidences and um there was a a piece of the surveillance footage that was cut out Mm -hmm. there was a lot of odd things surrounding that case so um i think that i'm i'm uh a new fresh eyes on the case a new investigation is a good call and um we'll see what happens but it's definitely an odd story um his death sounds incredibly hard to fathom that a little that that a boy could just nobody came into the gym. It just was all very odd and strange. Yeah. So, um, you know, prayers to Kendrick Johnson's family, and I hope that they get the answers that they need. For sure. Uh, now, uh, to go across the pond, a new developing story, which is pretty insane, um, in London, this woman named Sarah Everett. Um, I don't know if you've heard about this. This has been kind of the new story this week. So this woman named, I'm just going to read the, this is an article from CNN. So uh, a London Metropolitan Police officer has been charged with the kidnap and murder of 33-year-old Sarah Everett, uh, whose disappearance on a walk home has reignited a debate, a national debate in Britain, but this is across the, across the globe, on women's safety and sexual assault. Wayne Cousins, who was 48 years old, appeared at Westminster Magistrates Court on Saturday for his first hearing. He has been remanded in custody and will and will appear next in a court at the Old Bailey in London on March 16th, according to the Metropolitan Police. 
Everett disappeared on March 3rd while walking in Clapham, South London, prompting an extensive police search of the area. Her remains were eventually found more than 50 miles from where she was last seen. And a post-mortem examination will now take place on Everett's remains. Cousins, a police constable whose primary role was uniform patrol duties of diplomatic premises, was arrested in Kent on Tuesday. He was charged on Friday, according to a statement from Rosemary Ansel, the CPS head of uh, special crime. Uh, Everett's disappearance has prompted thousands of women to share their own experiences of intimidation or harassment while walking alone at night across the country and around the world. Many also exchanged notes on the habitual precautions they take to try and stay safe when they're walking alone, like clutching keys between their knuckles, uh, pretending to talk to someone on the phone or not wearing headphones at night. And they voiced their, their anger and frustrations that it feels like a necessary step. So um, another thing that happened was there was a vigil for uh, this young woman uh, on Saturday, which turned. What was her name? Sarah Everard, E-V-E-R-A-R-D. There was also a vigil on Saturday. We're actually recording today is Saturday when we're recording. So there was a vigil today in London that was canceled at some point, but the women were already out there protesting. There's a bunch of women out there protesting because as we've discussed in this podcast, I think you, when you said you were in Myrtle Beach, you saw a girl jogging at night and, you were, and your first thought in your head was like she had headphones on and you were like, yeah. damn, you don't, you're not aware of your, your surroundings. And the women's points are, why do we have to think about shit like this that's fucked up? Because this woman was just walking home from, from wherever she was walking home from and got snatched up and murdered by a police officer, allegedly. So their point is like, why do I have to put keys between my knuckles? And why does my fiance feel more comfortable going on a walk or a jog when she has our dog with her? She doesn't feel like she can do that without our dog. You know, so their point is like, why do we, it's fucked up that we have to do all this shit to protect ourselves from men, which I fully understand. Anyway, the point is, I saw some of the photos from the, so the the vigil turned contentious when, because, you know, there's police presence there because the women are angry. Yeah. But the police, so they started chanting, arrest your own to the police. Mm-hmm. And then it turned contentious and they started having some some battles with the police. And now you see these pictures come out of women being slammed on the ground and handcuffed by police officers when one, a woman was just murdered by a police officer. Yeah. So the optics of that are just crazy. You would think that the police would, would think like, okay, this is a, one of our own officers is, a, is accused of killing a woman. We're at a vigil for the woman. And there's women protesting murder of women in the streets. Maybe like be a little more chill and let's not bust heads at this. Well, unless they get the orders to do that, then they, they yeah, do, they yeah, do, they I, do I, I guess so. I, I, I mean, I'm saying it's fucked up, but I mean, no, like, but for sure, so you would think that would be it. My point is, you would think that would have been the discussion, like yeah. the 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 constable or whatever they have over there would be like, okay, guys, yes, we do need a police presence at this vigil slash protest, yeah. but like let's not hem up women yeah. right now because a police officer is accused of killing a woman. So we don't really want to be abusing women on the streets. Yeah. That well, that's just like, that's just like saying when, when all these African-American men was getting shot and yeah. killed by officers. And then like, yeah, no. we, we're sitting there, there's one being talked to the news and then one pops up yeah. and it's like, what the f- we was just talking about this. Yeah. And it happens over and over again. Yeah. Yeah. That's very true. Um, another thing that happened again, I'm not familiar with UK stories yeah. and news feeds, mm-hmm. But apparently the this murder, terrible, sad murder of Sarah Everett, has brought up um, another case of a young woman named uh, Blessing 
Alusa Gun. I believe she. I believe she's of some kind of um, maybe West African descent. I like I'm that not sure. Name. Yes, uh, she was killed or she was found dead on a beach last year of drowning under under uh, suspicious circumstances mm-hmm. about sixty miles from where Sarah was found. Now, the 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 issue in th- that while the why these are connected is that Sarah was found like like 50 miles away from where she was last seen and this um young lady blessing was found 60 miles from that so there is a vicinity but this didn't get any attention what was the cause of death drowning <laughs> they said what was she the, was found on the beach what about Sarah? i i don't know what don't know. i don't know I, I don't know what the cause of death is, is stated to be i don't know if she was you know stabbed or strangled or anything like that um but what the the point is that you know the 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 London UK they have their own set of uh, racial media biases and things that they have to deal with. So the 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 um, the narrative is that Blessing's uh, death didn't get any attention, and this woman Sarah Everett's death has gotten global attention. Has now ended up on our spotlight here in the states. And um, so I just wanted to bring attention to that. I, I did not want to contribute to that. Um, uh, now as far as today stands blessings death is still considered uh just suspicious but no no foul play or anything like that i don't know if the case is going to be continued to look in, look into or i don't know if they're going to try to connect this to maybe this officer has something maybe he's a you know he was he was he was um hired in 2018 mm-hmm. so i don't you know I, I haven't heard any narratives that it's possible that he has something to do with this girl's death as well but my, the point is just about the media treatment of blessing compared to Sarah but that doesn't negate Sarah's Sarah's death at all I'm not saying like you know fuck her why aren't you guys talking about this black woman but this black woman died under suspicious circumstances and there wasn't a lot of you know media attention given to it so Mm -hmm. I just wanted to spotlight it also say prayers to Sarah Everett and her family and prayers to any woman out there with a story like that I think that's every woman that's like Oh yeah, uh, when I go to the uh, store at ten o'clock at night, I make sure I have my pepper spray in my hand and unlocked, or I keep a taser on my keychain, or anything like that. And we have a very heavy female audience, so yeah, like, yeah. it's important to just say like that sucks. Yeah, you know, I don't let uh, stuff do a lot of stuff by. So I go, who, who you going with? Like, if somebody yeah. going with you, or well, I'll new, go. The new thing I'm dealing with now, Sierra is starting to do interior design mm-hmm. on her own. She's starting to step away on her own thing, and. She'll just be like, it'll be a Saturday, and she'll be like, I'm meeting up with a new client, like at a house. They're gonna show me around the, and you know, it's like. So I think we're kind of talking about maybe she she'll start like, no, she keeps that. She has that. Oh, she she um, oh she do have it. Yeah, she has pepper. I'm talking about like turning on her, find a friends or whatever. You don't y'all don't do that. I don't do any of that. Oh, I just don't use my phone in that way. But now that she's going to like random houses with people that she doesn't know very well, I. Feel like I think you should. I yeah. should know. Me and stuff does it. We yeah, just like going. where's the last place you were seen? Mm-hmm. So I think we're gonna start to implement that for sure. Um. Anyway, yeah, those are kind of the few couple of stories I wanted to touch on, but you know, the the show must go on. And yeah. we we do have some celebrating to do, Ooh. as always, because you guys are incredible and you continue to support us and we appreciate it. All right. Uh, up first, we got Jennifer A. Shout out to Jennifer A. Thank you very much for the support. We hope you're enjoying the content over there on Patreon. We continue to keep more things coming. Up next, we got Lindsay R. Shout out to you, Lindsay, a friend indeed. 
That's not a, that's don't I'm not gonna do that this week. Uh, shout out to you, Lindsay. That Up next terrible. we got yeah, that was bad. <laughs> Up next we got the Romanius. Ooh. Okay. The Romanius. Shout out to you, the Romanius. I don't I know. You're not saying that wrong. It's D A space duh. Mm, okay. Romanius. Maybe it means something. Or maybe Romanius. The Romanius. Shout out to you. Yeah. Up next, we got sweet treats. Okay. Send, you can send us some. Yeah, if you got it's, some of those, if, if it's candy. Yeah, yeah. Because I don't know, you know, OnlyFans is popping right now. I don't know what she's, <laughs> yeah, what, yeah. what this person's sweet treats are. Yeah. More power to you, of course. What's treats? You say cheeks. Sweet cheeks is a that'd be a great one as well. Yeah. I might try to I might try to go uh, uh, trademark that one. Sweet cheeks. Okay. Uh, but shout out to you, sweet <laughs> treats. If it is candy that you're selling. Send us some our way. If it's other things, more power to you. We don't need them. <laughs> yeah. uh, up next, we got Mariah K. Shout out to you, Mariah K. Much love and appreciation. You are a true affirminator, and thank you. Mm-hmm. Up next, we got Monica D. Shout out to you. And the D is for the bomb. You know it. Yeah. Uh, and lastly, we got Laura. No last name. Okay. She does not have time for bullshit like that. Thank you for the year-long subscription. Uh, things like that keep us going, keep us motivated, and one, make make sure that we can deliver content for the extended future because you made an investment in us. Yep. So thank you, Laura. We appreciate you. We appreciate everyone on the Patreon who's joined, and we hope that you guys are enjoying everything over there. Fade that out. We're going to take a quick break and get ourselves restructured before we get into this fucked up shit. Yeah. Is that fine with you? Yes, sir. Okay, cool. So uh, we'll be right back and, and uh, get ready for some fucked up shit, you guys. So stick around. Affirmative Murder is brought to you by The Social High Five. During 2020, we all had to adapt to some very unexpected conditions. It was no different for us sports fans. We're all anxiously looking forward to the time that we can reopen sports bars and stadiums, but COVID, flu, and other health risks are still very real. Now, though, there's an awesome new way for fans to cheer on their team and still keep their hands germ-free with The Social High Five. Made from a sturdy, light, and easy-to-clean styrene, the Social High Five straps to your hand with ease and allows for a hygienic hand slap after your team scores a big goal, makes a massive play, and hopefully wins the big game. The company actually sent Fran and I a couple of Social High Fives, and while I believe podcasting is a sport, Fran has asked me to stop using mine to slap his butt because, quote, this is not basketball, man. We're talking into microphones. End quote. Give the sports fanatic in your life a helping hand with the social high five. Just go to social H I G H the number five.com and order one today. I think this will be a fantastic product for sports bars or even sporting organizations to just have ready for when fans come back, when patrons come back into their businesses to say, Hey, we're still following the guidelines. We still want people to be safe, but it's okay to celebrate and cheer when your team does something awesome. So again, Go to socialhighfive.com and get you one today. And tell them Affirmative Murder sent you. All right, back to the show. Fran, uh, my story this week is a little bit different, but mm-hmm. it is a story that I think about often, and so I just wanted to shed light on it uh, because I think it brings up some interesting conversations. Okay. So uh, my story this week is not a, a, a story of murder per se, but it's the story of Deanna Green. Uh, she's a young lady that I actually went to middle school with. Uh, back in 2006, and uh, so uh, I will go ahead and proceed. <clears throat> so Deanna Green was a 14-year-old girl living in Randallstown, Maryland, and attending Deer Park Middle School. She came from a close-knit family, and her father, Anthony Bubba Green, 
played one season for the Baltimore Colts back in 1981. Mm. On May 5th, 2006, Deanna was at Baltimore's Druid Hill Park taking part in a church softball game with her mother. While stretching, her shoe and hand touched the fence in front of a dugout. Her body was jolted with 270 volts of stray electricity running through the fence caused by underground wires, and she died almost instantly. I remember this. Yeah. Yep. Uh, so, uh, like I said, I, w- I actually went to middle school with Deanna. Mm-hmm. I, did not know her, I did not know her very well, but I remember, so this happened on a Friday, I remember that Monday and walking into the school and just the, the like, grief and the sadness and it, like, it overtook the whole school. Like, yeah. the principal did an announcement and I actually had homeroom with the guy that she was dating at the time. Mm-hmm. It's eighth grade, but, like, st- it's still, they had some kind of connection and then at some point, either... Over the weekend or when he got to school that day, somebody told him, like, yo, your girlfriend died. You know, so people were consoling him. Mm-hmm. And it just was interesting. That really had a long-lasting effect on me because at a at such a young age, at 13 years old, you have to deal with these things like grief and loss yeah. and the trauma of, of knowing how short life is. Mm-hmm. Like, you, you see her Friday, and then... She, because it was a school day, and then she died that day, and I didn't know her, so I didn't know any of that stuff. So I kind of just come into school and walk into homeroom, and it's like devastation. And then you get informed, and then you, and then now you're now it like washes over you as well, where you're yeah. like, oh wait, what? She's dead? Yeah, you know, at a church softball game with her mom, and electrocuted. It was just all so much to deal with, and I was cool with the guy that she was dating. So you go over and like rub them on the back. Mm -hmm. And then to think about, you know, like I said, I think about this case every just not case, but just that feeling, Mm -hmm. because at 13 years old to have to like contend with those feelings of, you know, mortality and grief and loss and. It's just a lot. Yeah. So so I think about what that processing power was like at 13. And how there was no therapy for those kids. There was girls. She was, like, in a group of girls. She had, like, a group of girls where, you know, you remember middle school. It's, like, the cliques and, you know. So Mm -hmm. there was no therapy for them. They just all were, you know, had their day to cry, their week to cry. And then eventually something funny happens in school and you just kind of move on. But you never address that feeling Mm -hmm. that your friend is just 13 years old forever now, you know. And then you go on and keep living life. I'm almost 30 years old now. You know, that girl died at 13 and she just never came back. Like yeah. she just was just gone one day. So that was a lot to deal with and just like to process at fucking 13 years old. But anyway, here's a little just backstory on um, electroshock. So electrocution is actually comes from electricity and execution. Mm-hmm. So you can be electroshocked. Like there's some people that get electroshocked and get severely burned or you know, get some some kind of superficial damage and things like that. But if you don't die, that's not an electrocution. That's just electroshock. Okay. Electrocution is dying from being electrocuted. Yeah. The main concern re- the main concern regarding electricity is that many believe that a normal household current is safe and insulated power lines do not pose a hazard. Electrocutions may result from contacts with an with an object as seemingly innocuous as a broken light bulb or as lethal as an overhead power line. 
500 volts is considered high voltage power. Uh, power lines can range anywhere from 400 to 60,000 volts. So she was she came into contact with a fence that was being touched by an underground power line that was meant to, you know, send power to street lamps and things like that. So Oh, so this was just all like a accident. Oh yeah. Like it wasn't it wasn't a it wasn't a it was, they call it it's stray electricity. There's a more proper term for it, but stray, it, okay, it, yeah, okay, it was like it that. was touching something yeah. else. So it um, it wasn't a electric fence. It wasn't like no no a, no. It was like no. This girl was at a softball game. That's what I was. And she okay. went to put her foot up on the fence to tie her shoes before yeah. the game. That's why I was like nobody knew. It was I thought were you? I no, thought, no no no. It was see, just, I didn't know it details. Was just, it was just a dugout fence. So it was just a, oh I thought it was like electric. No, so I was like what the no. nobody knew. Like why was and why no. was there electric fence out in the in the field? No, it was like the fence that's okay. in front of the bench. You know to yeah, protect yeah, yeah. you from baseballs. That's crazy. She put her foot up on that to tie her shoe. To go play softball with at, with her church, and she got electrocuted and died almost instantly at at the game. I it was and when I say almost, I mean it was pretty instantly. Like you get a shock with that much electricity, it's gonna stop your heart. So she died at the park. You know there. Was so no, it was just it was hitting a power line under the ground. Well, it was a, a underground wire. Yeah, yeah. And I guess it was exposed hmm. and touching the fence, oh, and okay. which which charged the fence. And sent the current through the fence, and when she touched it, the current went into her. That's crazy. I when with, I, I with who knows how many volts of a, of electricity. Yeah, when I hear stuff like that, I go, I go, you know, what about the people that was there before? Was it like this is just like it was? I mean, rain, it could it could have. I have some facts about the negligence of the electron of the electric company that was supposed to be handling that. Not a ton, but yeah. Uh, it that wasn't like rain made it exposed in that kind of way. There was a company working on the on the um infrastructure of the park right before this and, right before this happened, or not long before. Yeah, okay. and I guess they didn't All put right. some stuff back the way they were supposed to, and this wire was left exposed, and it touched this fence, and it charged the fence. Yeah, man, you see, I put I'm at work and I see that a lot though. Like you're well, like, like exposed wires, exposed wires just hanging from the fucking yeah pop, not go. As long as I'm not, I make sure I'm not touching that yeah, shit. Yeah, I mean, famously as a kid, I mean, the BGE, BGE was like Baltimore General Electric Company yeah. has like a famous song. It's like, power's down, red yeah. alert, don't go near, you'll get hurt, get some help, better rush, and do not, do not, do, do not, not touch. touch. Bam. Yeah. So I don't know if that's because Baltimore just is mad negligent and just has wires and shit exposed everywhere, or if that's just a general blanket, like every state got that song. But either way, uh, uh, a considerable amount. I, mean, I think I, th- I think it's like over a thousand people die a year from accidental electri- elect- electrocutions. You know, wow. so it is not. While it's not like a pandemic of things, it is like a fraction of people do die from you know whether it's lack of knowledge about electricity safety or if it's just you know exposed wires and not knowing how dangerous they can be. It's it is a problem in a sense. Now, this is not a young lady who was being foolish or playing around near something that she saw but didn't pay attention to she was at a a a baseball diamond with a bunch of people and she just was the most unfortunate one i have to assume maybe she was the first one to touch the fence or maybe it's just as a a very unfortunate and unlucky event to happen and it happened in front of her mom Mm. and that part sticks with me a lot her age sticks with me a lot she was 14 years old and like i said I'll, i'll never forget that day truly i mean barring you know mental decline 
I'll never forget walking into homeroom class and just, I didn't, like I said, I didn't know her. So I didn't know you just walk into a room and you're like, why is everybody all bummed out? Yeah. And then like, yeah, Deanna died. She got electrocuted. You're like, wait, what? But then you can't ask these questions. So even me, there's some details I didn't learn until I just did this story today because I never went back and looked on it, you know, look and looked at it to, to get the full details. I just knew she got electrocuted at Drill Hill Park. That was the, the extent of what I knew, you know? I remember that. So, yeah, I mean, it's pretty fucking shocking, man. Anyway, Deanna's father, Anthony Green, and her mother, Nancy, immediately took action, bringing their tragedy to the city's attention. The city, however, claimed immunity from the case, stating that they were unaware of the possibility of stray electricity, and the proper term for that is actually contact voltage, running through the fence. So basically they said, we had no idea that that was the case, so we're not, we, we, we claim immunity. We don't have anything to do with that. Basically what happened was they did an investigation. They found that this company called Dell, which was paid through the city, was responsible for maintaining the electricity in 2003, 2004, 2005, and 2006, the year that uh, Deanna was killed. Or Deanna was, yeah, Deanna was killed by uh, negligence. Uh, the year that Deanna, Deanna was killed. So the city was paying the company that didn't take care of the, the, uh, the problem properly. Mm -hmm. So that does make them negligent partially. Yeah. So after a years-long battle... The puzzle started to connect, and the city was found to have partial fault in the, in the death of Deanna, along with the contracted electric company, Dell. In March of 2013, the city of Baltimore arrived at a 200000 settlement with the Green family for their awareness of the electrical work in proximity to the fence on which Deanna was killed. The settlement came a day prior to what would have been Deanna's 21st birthday. Wow. They also it came, took that long? It took, yeah, it took. 2013, she she was killed in 2006. Mm. They came to a settlement for an undisclosed amount of money with Dell, the electric company that was responsible for, supposed to be responsible for repairing the, the problem. Mm -hmm. But that amount is undisclosed. Um, the family obviously said the money was inconsequential, had nothing to do with any of that. And they, and what was actually, what they did after that and during this entire ordeal of the seven years of trying to get justice for their daughter it's actually pretty remarkable and and beautiful, and, and it's like this um, silver lining that it's uh, it's weird for me to say that I love, but when it happens, I I respect it and and it and it and it like chokes me up because it's it's beautiful in a way. So I'll get to it. While the Greens were requesting that the city take accountability for not making necessary repairs to the live wires under the fence, Green, uh, meaning uh, uh, the father, Anthony. Green networked with the New Jersey company Power Survey in December of 2010 to investigate if there were other outdoor public areas of Baltimore harboring stray electricity. Though the investigation only covered 20% of the city, their findings were staggering. With contact voltage running through open manholes, concrete sidewalks, puddles, and fences. In Druid Hill Park, a light pole with a 7-volt current could have jumped to a lethal 120 volts if touched by two conductive surfaces. Mm. It was near a public swimming pool. A public swimming pool wow. that I swam in as a kid. Yeah. When Green, with the help of the power survey company, gathered the results of the tests, he and his wife began drafting the Deanna Camille Green rule, which, which states public works departments enforces a long-term solution for the maintenance of contact voltage, which I can't believe this wasn't already a thing mm -hmm. that they weren't just making sure that stuff wasn't supercharged and 
could be become dangerous and deadly to people. Green traveled throughout the East Coast advocating the Deanna Camille Green rule, including a convention in Washington, D.C., Florida, Rhode Island, and New Jersey. He also gathered the support of, at the time, Maryland Governor Martin O'Malley. In 2011, the Maryland Public Service Commission adopted the Deanna Camille Green Rule, which now provides statewide regulations to prevent accidental electrocutions like the one that claimed Deanna's life. When people take their grief and they turn it into these life's missions, as sad as it is, it is something beautiful behind it. Like, mm. I really do marvel at Trayvon Martin's mother, who has become so politically active and is, you know, getting laws changed left and right. She's out on the front lines at all times. But it came through her son being murdered. Yeah. You know? So as sad as it is that Deanna died, that it supercharged her parents. Her parents could have just wallowed in the grief, understandably. Mm. You know, they lost their daughter. Their life will never be the same. Their family's disjointed. And instead of just wallowing in that, they go... I never want this to happen to somebody else's kid. Yeah. So let's bring awareness and change and get out on the streets and make some noise. And that's what they did. And so I greatly appreciate and I greatly respect people who don't let their grief overtake them, mm-hmm. which I also would not blame anybody for. You know, nobody's supposed to outlive their kids. So I can't imagine what that feels like. But when it's unjustified how you lost your kid and you go out there and you fight, and you make noise, and you make change, mm. there's something beautiful in that. So um, nothing but respect to the parents of Deanna Green. As I said, I did not know her very well. Um, I knew her her boyfriend at the time. We were very cool. You don't know how to console somebody at 13 fucking years old. Mm. So it was just really fucking, uh, it, was a, it was a dark day that I'll never forget. Um, unfortunately, in June of 2019, Anthony Bubba Green died of cancer. He was 61 years old. Um, in 2017, they did start a uh, a college scholarship fund in the name of Deanna. I think it was called Deanna's Lyric College Fund, okay. uh, which her mother really spearheaded. And uh, so that was beautiful. And they would ha- uh, do fundraisers and stuff and give scholarships to, to kids. They did that that year. And, uh, yeah, man. So that was a... Uh, just a little insight into something that happened in my life and yeah. something that happened into these to this family's life that I feel like people should know about. You know, she wasn't she wasn't murdered in the typical way per se, mm-hmm. but she was murdered by like city negligence and bureau, bureaucratic fuck ups. Mm-hmm. You know, so those are that's tragic as well. So rest in peace to Deanna. It's, um, I, I feel like people that needs to be talked about more is like things happen. Like this whole last year, these kids kids are gonna need to talk to somebody about this last year. Mm. If you didn't get to go to prom, as as small as these things may seem, if you didn't go to go to prom, you didn't get to walk the stage when you graduated high school or college. Like these are things that might sound like nothing, but could affect somebody's happiness. Yeah, and their the way that they walk through life for a while, or their like their like short term emotions, which can lead people to do weird stuff. It can lead people to self harm and commit suicide like these are these are these are things that can happen when you don't dis- when you don't talk about your feelings. Yeah. Another thing I want to say before we take a quick break is uh Marjorie Marjorie Taylor Green can eat a fat dick, right? Who is that? So Marjorie Taylor Green is in Congress. 
she is a person who is uh, one of those QAnon people. And she followed one of those kids who survived the shooting at um, Stoneman Douglas High School a couple years ago, and they started doing the March for Our Lives and everything. Yeah. I think his name is David Hogg. She, like, harassed him walking down the street to go talk to talk to politicians about gun laws, which I understand because he survived a school shooting. Yeah. And I didn't survive a school shooting, but I know the psychological implications of walking into school one day and just finding out one of the kids in your graduating class is just dead. Mm-hmm. So I couldn't imagine what it's like to have been at a school and saw your friends die. And then, as I just stated about uh, Deanna's parents going on a life's mission, wanting to make change, wanting to make sure that never happens again. That's what David Hogg is doing, along with that young lady with the bald head. I can't remember her name right now, but she shaved her head. She's a badass. I fuck with her as well. But for you to harass a person with that kind of trauma built up in them is disgusting. Mm. And he's a kid. He's like 19 years old. So she's a despicable person. And she can go fuck herself. And listen to your kids. That's another thing I'll say is, you know, these. I watched that Billie Eilish documentary. Billie Eilish has a documentary on Apple TV. I heard about that, yeah. And it's really good. But it's also interesting that, you know, you listen to her music and you go, what's there to be depressed about when you're 17? And it's like a lot of shit, man. These kids are going through a lot of shit. Like if you wake up every day and the social media's, are telling you the world's starting to burn and the animals are dying and the, the the planet won't be able to come back from the pollution after 2055 and depression rates are out of control and your friends are dying from opioid overdoses and stuff. There's a lot of shit to be depressed about. Yeah. And this year did not help. Like on a, on um your mom's house, Christina was like, she was like, when you get on, it was it was kind of true because she's like, when you, when I get on my phone, it's like I never. She's like, there's never been a time where I got off my phone and I was like, I was happy, like I was in a good mood. No man, you just you're just inundated with fear. Yeah, and these kids are on their phone way more constantly. than an adult is. Yeah, so it's constantly if they're not terrified that they're gonna die from some crazy shit, they're dancing. Yeah, and that's just temporary bullshit, like superficial happiness. When they really, when everything all boils down and it finishes off, they're worried about getting shot at their school. Yeah. They're worried about the planet dying. They're worried about their friends overdosing from drugs. There's a lot of real shit going on with these kids, man. This this generation, I have no envy for. Girls are getting their nudes fucking blasted on the internet at 13 years old, and then you just can't never recover from that because yeah. they, they just, it's perpetually on the internet. Yeah. It's a crazy fucking time to be a kid. So just take that into account, man, and and, th- and don't don't stigmatize therapy, man. It's okay to have to go talk to somebody about your problems. Yeah. Um. But yeah, what we're gonna do is we're gonna take a quick break. Well, first oh. I want oh, to sorry. um, like your story uh brought up like uh. First of all, I'm really sorry I didn't ask you if you had any questions. Oh no problem. Before. Yeah. But your story, I remember being in high school. This is when it was in 2010. Uh huh. Um, you can you can bleep his name out, but you remember. I do remember. I went. I went to. I went to high school with. As well. Yeah, yeah. I went to middle school with him. His his younger sister passed away in 2010. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And she got hit by a train. Yeah, I remember this. Yeah. And that was one of those times. And like, uh, that was one of those times where it was like, we was like, I think we was we was gra- we graduated that year. Uh huh. So that was one of those times where you go, like, oh, you can just just be gone, not exist. Yeah. So that was like, I remember that day because it was just like, 
it's sobering. It, it, yeah, because yeah. it was like you go through as a kid, just it's just it's all fun and play, and you know you see you hear death on TV or whatever, but mm-hmm. it's like it's TV. Yeah. But then when, when it happens close to home, like that was an essay. So it was, when you happen close to home, you go, you go, damn! I remember that being the first time. I was like, oh, you can this can just happen to anybody. Yeah. You just. That'd just be it. All this shit, arms and all this people, your skull, this shit is mad fragile, yeah. bro. Like all the you people just think you just can be okay and yeah. you just walk through life. And I think it's I think it's the curse of youth where you just really feel invincible all the time. Yeah. And so and I think that's why it affected me. Cause now as an adult and living in Baltimore, every day you turn on the news, like five people got shot here, yeah. this happened here, somebody had a heart attack. This, you know, you go. Yeah, it's life, man. When you, I think you realize that once you get in your twenties, thirties, yeah. you start to realize like, yeah, life's short. But when you're like 13, 17, and a kid fucking ODs, gets hit by a train, yeah. fucking drowns, yeah. gets electrocuted, you're like, wait, wait, what? Yeah, it's 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 crazy. It's hard to wrap your head around. And then those, you know, we're just hanging out. Like we used, to, I used to walk across them those train tracks. You could just be able to just walk across that shit freely. And it's like, and then when you hear somebody get hit by a train, it's like, and then I know her mom, and they had like a page, and they did some work that that they it's a there's a fence in front of that now. There's a yeah. big tall fence in front of those tracks, so you just can't. And it took them walk. losing their child for, to be like, yeah. oh, you shouldn't, people shouldn't be able to walk. You should be they, able to just walk. They knew, across they knew, tracks. they knew kids were using that as a yeah, shortcut. It's a shortcut. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You should be able to just walk. So they, it's a gate in that memorial still up to this day, mm-hmm. and it's this what it's been eleven years since yeah. that happened, but it's like. Used to like we used to walk across the train tracks, and then you hear somebody at that age get killed. She was younger than us, so yeah. get killed by hit by a train. It's like that. That's it's that's it's scary, man. Yeah, man. Especially at that age, it's very scary for sure. Nah, man. Um, life comes at you fast. Yeah, and uh, it's something about it comes at you faster at that age because you just really feel like yeah, you're gonna be alive forever. Yeah, when you're 13, sure, yeah. 17 years old, you're like, I'm seventeen, man. I'm. It's twenty years until I'm even any kind of have responsibilities yeah. or anything. Just Blank all the yeah, all the dumbass shit that you <laughs> think you know. Seven. You're like seventeen, man. You won't have. I won't have any responsibilities for like thirty years. That shit like, comes so fast, man. <laughs> you know. So so the last yeah. thing you're thinking about is death. Yeah. You know. Sure. But when that happened, it really, it really, it 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 informed me and showed me mortality mm-hmm. in a way that I never really. Uh, shook off Yeah You know where you go Oh so she just Cause she was sang Like she was in chorus mm-hmm. And stuff like And it's just like Oh she's not gonna be In any more of those Recitals or anything And then they do Like the school news And they put her picture On the, on the screen And you're like She just is not alive anymore Yeah At 13 years old You're just like They just are gone Yeah Which is so hard to fathom You know like Because I, At this point in my life I You know I I'm. I think I accept death in a sense, but also you hear some stuff about people's philosophies on death, and you go like, you know, well, like a hundred years ago, I was dead, like I didn't exist, like whatever, whatever that feeling was a hundred years ago. That's what happens when you die. So I'm content with that. Of like, I know what it's like to not exist because I didn't exist in 1975. Yeah. So I I understand that, but at 13, what? So that's that's weird. That's a weird thought. I've I mean I guess, but uh, it's just people. I think people. I think it's a it's a weirder thought to to not think about death at all, and just or be like super afraid. But of to it. go, yeah, I didn't exist. 
in the 60s, but you know, I doesn't. I mean, everybody has a different way of coping. I'm just saying, with that. like a million that. years ago, you didn't exist, yeah. and then a million years from now, you won't exist. So it's the same feeling, is my point. Eh, like you just won't exist. I don't know what dying feels like, but I'm just saying, I know what it. I know that I didn't exist at a point. Yeah, but I mean, like everybody has a different way of you know dealing with. Okay, you know, everybody gonna die one day. Absolutely, mine would be. I have children, so. Me by having children, I know my legacy lives on after me. So it's Absolutely. like, it's it, for me. It goes, you know, it's, it, it's, it's it happens to everybody for sure. But I have I I have seeds out there where I go, you know, it's whatever, really. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, but that's a philosophy that you didn't have at thirteen. For sure, yeah. At yeah. seventeen, yeah, yeah. when you know when you found out about well, you didn't know you didn't exactly. <laughs> so that's what I mean of yeah. like, as like it was an interesting introduction to death. And it all goes back to my original point of, you know, this past year, I don't know how many kids passed away from COVID. I don't know if that was a a prevalent issue, Mm -hmm. but I know that some kids committed suicide from depression Mm -hmm. and, you know, don't just think that your kid's okay from that. Talk to your kid, ask them if they need to talk to somebody. My whole point is just about mental health and it, it, it is very important, man. You know, it is very important to express your feelings. And, you know, I think that as a man, as a black man specifically, I have gotten to an age where I I really want to combat the stereotypes that we grew up with of, like, boys don't cry. I mean, boys of all races have um, been, been drilled that in their brain. Mm-hmm. But I just mean I can only speak from my experience, and I know black men don't talk about anything. Yeah. You know, like my dad, my grandfather – just chin up, everything's fine. Yeah, I'm good. The most traumatic shit could have just happened. You're like, eh, it is what it is. I won't say his name, bro. This shit is so crazy. Uh, I was hanging out with some people on Wednesday at a thing you were supposed to come to. Mm-hmm. I guess you had to work late. Mm-hmm. A friend of ours comes in, and we're all talking and laughing and everything, and he goes. It was crazy, man. My dad died today. Oh, I know you died one. And we were like, wait, what? And yeah. we all kind of laughed because it was so jarring. But but then we didn't know how to, we all just started going like, damn, man, sorry. It's, you know, and I could tell if you really wanted to dig into it, it we probably could have had a serious conversation, but we just didn't. Yeah. But it was so like, we just moved on from that. And that's cr- that's crazy as shit. Yeah. He shouldn't even have been there, but it's like, man, life, man, you just gotta keep moving forward. It is what it is. You know? So I, I, I want to break. With a different, so yeah, but I, yeah. I think that it's that's it's not healthy. Everybody dealing dealing with it and dealing with it and not dealing with it are two different things for one. True. So I just, I just, I just am an advocate of. I just want to talk people into being comfortable with with dealing with it. Yeah, like I understand chin up. You deal with it in your own way or whatever. But that's different than just not dealing with it and pushing it off to the side. If you deal with it in your own solemn to yourself kind of way, cool. If you deal with it your own personal way privately, I understand that. But most people just don't deal with those things. They just push them to the side and maybe they come out in other ways. And that's that's what you don't want is that you start it starts affecting you in other lanes because you just have these bottled up things that you never confronted or dealt with. Me, I was fortunate enough. I had a lot of built up. Uh, repressed issues with my dad. Mm -hmm. I was able to confront those things to him personally. And now we've been able to start from now. Yeah. I can't change anything. I can't 
keep being mad at him from stuff from 20 years ago. Mm. It's nothing I can do. And he he's apologized and said, you know, I he told me his reasons for those things. But that's better than what my other siblings do mm. is that they just don't confront anything and they just they all just pretend like nothing happened. And I yeah. think that's a way worse thing way to proceed with that because it's going to come back up if you never confront it head on. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's true. I mean, because my household was a little different. My dad was, um, he worked a lot, so it was just like uh, a lot of stuff you just kept to yourself. So I I was, I, I grew up just like, I'll deal with it. I'll deal with it later. Yeah. i deal with it later. So, at, like, you explain that. It's kind of like how I am. I just, like, sometimes I go, I don't have the brain. Cap- I just don't have yeah. the capacity to deal with it right and now. And I get that. I get that. Yeah. But my point is, only you know how it affects you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, it, you know, not that you ever would. You have so many responsibilities in, 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 in a family. But if one day you just turned up and you hurt yourself. Yeah. And you never told any – everybody would go – no, we never saw this coming. Like, what? I can't believe that happened. Why Why did he, you know? Yeah. But if you never express your feelings or deal with them, then you kind of rob the people around you of being able to support you. Right. If you need it. Yeah. Because you might not feel like you need support, but it's good to know that you have it. Yeah. But nobody can support you if they don't know you need support, you know? And I'm the same way. I deal, Me and Sierra, she's always sometimes... I'll, I'll just wake up and I'm just not feeling the day. Like, yeah. I'll just be like, this day, like, I'm over it. I want to go back to sleep. I don't really feel like functioning today. And she'll see it on my face. But if I don't remark to her what what that is, even if I just go, it's nothing specific. I'm just bummed out today. She takes it personally. And she's like, did I do something? What You know, like, am, am I making you feel mad or mm-hmm. whatever this expression is on your face? So that is something I a hurdle I have to try to overcome is that I'm trying to be more expressive with those things for the betterment of my relationship. Mm-hmm. So I'm just saying, you know, open lines of communication, talk to the people around you, talk to kids specifically as a kid who saw something and a bunch of kids go through something traumatic. It's good to talk to kids and make sure where they stand and see how they're feeling. Those are just my couple of little two cents yeah. from a guy that has no kids. Anyway, uh, what we're going to do is we're going to take a quick break and when we come back, Brian's going to tell you guys some fucked up shit, so stick around. My affirmative murder this week is about Jerry Lee Little Jr. Got my story off of Wikipedia. There's some other sites, um, newspaper, newspapers.com and also I, upi.com. It was my resources. Um, so this story just went on Google and just, you know, just do a regular search and it's like some of them come up and you go, some of them are super hard to find anything. Uh-huh. When I first found a story, I found a newspaper article, but it was you could see half of the guy's face, right? Okay. So, but it was it was it's this is this happened in the the sixties and the seventies, right? So okay. it was a black and white newspaper. So I'm like, I gotta fucking find a newspaper article. And then like the half of the face you can see, he got like a afro. And I'm like that that has to be black. Yeah. <laughs> that has to be a black guy. But I finally found an article, and it was a black. And it dude. wasn't. Oh, it was a black dude. So I was like, all right, bet. Some of them you just like it's so you gotta dig so deep and it's yeah. like they're just there's nothing else you can find just a a, a raw newspaper article yeah it's like, like now actu- I gotta read the, the like the actual the news actual from the day of you can yeah. like you see the clip of it and then it's like the one I saw was just like it's like the the story and it was like talking about some other shit that was going on like yeah. war I was like 
pretty interesting. They're like, spam! The new space food? Yeah. I was like, what the hell? It, also it was, a murderer. There we go. So Jerry Little was born in 1956 in Marks, Mississippi, into a family of six total children. Four years after his birth, his family moved to St. Louis, Missouri, where Jerry's father soon passed away. He was brought up by his mother and grew up in a socially uh, disadvantageous environment. In the late 1960s, due to chronic absences and poor academic performances, Little dropped out of school after graduating after graduating from sixth grade and thereafter um, began leading a criminal lifestyle. So, uh, so he dropped out at like 12. Yeah, he was he was he was a good student at some point when he was young and then uh I read that dad when died. it hit when it, yeah, dad died when it hit 6th grade, that's when shit started going started going downhill. Well, you know what they say, I mean, 6th grade is like the hardest year of it, your whole academic t- um time. Yeah, yeah. 6th grade. 6th mm-hmm. grade, yeah. That's a fact. I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. Science. So in 1971, he was arrested on rape charges, convicted and sentenced to 5 years imprisonment by the juvenile court. After three years had passed, he was paroled in 1974. A few weeks after his release, Little took part in a robbery and gang rape, mm. for which he was again convicted and sentenced to 20 years imprisonment at the Missouri Eastern Correctional Center. In early 1984, he was paroled again, and Jerry married a, gir- mar- married a girl he met during his imprisonment. Uh, it's like <laughs> He met her during his imprisonment? Yeah, it's like... For rape and murder? Yeah, man. That's like a thing, right? Oh yeah, yeah. There's there's like a whole sect of there's a, a show called Love After Lockup that is very captivating hmm. about women that are like trying to Spin get the prisoners. Yeah, mm-hmm. write them letters and shit. Mm-hmm. Don't even know, or not a letter. I guess it's twenty twenty one. An email. Don't even know him as a I person. I bet I would assume that they're like they show charges. That yeah. I, oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, I would assume, but I guess you, I guess you can never know for sure. I, I guess it Google exists though. Well, this was Google in eighty, so yeah, I guess none of this existed. None, it didn't. It was just like, how did he meet? I wonder how he met though. You know, she probably was visiting some somebody other else friend. The guy been here for gang rape. Oh, I like you. Yeah. All right. And I was with some friends. Yada yada yada. Next gang thing rape. you know, I'm in, yeah, getting the yada yada rape. yada gang rape. Next thing you know, I'm in prison. But anyway, what's up with you? Yeah. That's crazy. I mean, I I question people's choices all the time, but yeah. whatever. I don't I don't know this lady. Yeah. Um so although he found himself a job uh, and got a house due to his lack of education, he was forced to he was forced to engage in low-skilled labor for the next 2 years. Because of his material difficulties, Little developed an, uh, an addiction to drugs. In 1986, he moved to Kansas City where he was soon arrested for possession of marijuana. Since this was a violation of his parole, he was returned to prison. He was freed once again in August of 1987, after which he returned to St. Louis, found work at a car wash, and entered a night, and entered a night school to receive his secondary education. So at the end of July of 1988, Jerry Little was among the suspects considered in the murder of 28-year-old Emojin Jackson and 50-year-old Catholic nun Patricia Ann Kelly who lived in the same apartment building where Little had been living with his wife since 1987. Kelly was raped and strangled on September 27th of 1987 in the office of Missouri Energy Care Incorporated. So she was like, this was like at work. Yeah. During the investigation, it turned out that Little was familiar with the victim and appeared at the office shortly before the murder. Jackson was raped and killed on March 10th, 1988 in, a, in, in the apartment building. So... 
Both of these women lived in this apartment building. Yeah. Patricia Ann Kelly was at work. Yeah. And she was murdered in the office. And um, so we could have just like followed her from work to her to her job. Yeah. And Jackson was um, murdered in her was apartment. murdered in the apartment. On August 4th, Jerry Little was detained for interrogation. By then, he was also considered a possible suspect for the murder of 60-year-old jo- Rose Jackson, who was strangled on December 19th in 1985. Little knew her because Rose was a follower of the Baptist, the Baptist Church in the early 1980s, served, served as an assistant prison chaplain at the institution where he was serving his sentence. Shortly before her murder, Jerry's, Jerry was spotted entering her apartment, but since no conclusive evidence was found at the crime scene, he was cleared uh, of, of suspicion. During his interrogation, Little, Little unexpectedly confessed to the murders of three women, as well as the murder of 48-year-old Doris Orley Hayes, whom he met via night school classes and eventually killed on April 10th, 1988. Jeez. He entered, his entire testimony was recorded, video, was recorded on video in which, after which he was charged. So... Um, so he just he was like on like a spree, like a spree. He was killing yeah. all these people that he came into contact with. He murdered these four women. Two of the women lived in his apartment building. Um, no forced entry. Yeah. Um, and then the other one he murdered, lady he met At from night his school. night school his night school classes. So um, just a little bit about uh, the first the cup the first victim. So Rose Jackson's body was found um, in her apartment um, on Hampton Avenue. And Hayes' body was found at her apartment on Hickory Street. So the address, the addresses are close to the uh, to where you know Little was living. So police said that Little had confessed to all the all the um crimes. Police uh, officials had felt they had a strong circumstantial case against the electrician and killing and Kelly's killing because so there was an electrician that entered um Patricia and Kelly's home and mm-hmm. he was saying that they he might have had um something to do with they didn't say the name or anything right that this guy whoever this was had something to do with killing used he used his uniform to used get his in. uniform they've said that could have been what happened they also went to um what you call it um like an apartment complex the maintenance men right they might have had something to do with it because there was no forced entry right they got keys yeah but was name jerry knew his way around the building right and it took him a it took the police a while to lock in on him because he was living in the building but he was living was his girlfriend, whose name is on the lease, so they didn't even know he was even there. Right. Um. So, they said for for Mrs. Kelly's, um, they said that he had done some electrical work in Kelly's office and knew its layout. Yeah. And he was in the area at the time of her murder. He knew the color of Kelly's purse. He frequented Hampton Hill Reservoir Park, um, which was directly across the apartment complex. It's called Some Apartments. Mm-hmm. Um. So that's just the, some little things they were saying that, you know, this had to be him because yeah. he knows the layout. He knows this person. Knows the color. He knows the cuss. The, the, the office was ransacked. You know, they took stuff, took money, took checks. Yeah. So uh, so the trial began in September 1990. In order, to avoid, in order to avoid the death penalty, Little and his defense team filed a motion to jointly examine call charges in a single trial, which was upheld. The only evidence that ensured that Little's guilt uh, was his own testimony, and during the trial, his lawyer stated that their client had given false testimony under pressure and that he was insane. So they requested a forensic examination, but Little refused to pretend being mentally ill during the trial and pleaded guilty on the 
Oh, that's crazy. His laws requested was rejected. He had he, he had too much pride. Yeah, so it was like, hey man, we need you to play stupid. Yeah. Okay. Never. <laughs> never. I got my whole brain. You're like, nah, dog. I'm not acting silly for anybody. Yeah, I'm not. But if we could maybe get you your time. No, I did it. <laughs> I did it. Uh, but I'm not gonna sit up here and act stupid. That's what it was. Uh, this there's a Showtime show called Your Honor, mm. and it was really interested to see that that played out in this different sense. So the this guy, this kid, had killed. He killed another kid, mm. and the lawyer was like, "We need you to your your defense is that it was self defense." So we need you to convince the jury that you were terrified of this person. Yeah. He just couldn't even. No. Nah. He was like, I'm not scared of anybody. No bitch. Yeah, it was like, it was like, it was crazy that he couldn't, to see him not be able to comprehend, like, the lawyer being like. like man, you can get off. Yeah, like, if you just convinced him that you no, were scared. No. So I need you to say you were scared of him, and that's why you defended yourself. I don't I, roll I'm like not that. A, why, why would I, I was never scared in my life. Yeah. I'm trying to help you, man. I don't roll like that. Yeah, the only person never, I'm scared of is God. Yeah, I only think I don't, I don't fear nothing but right. God and taxes. I'm gonna get paid either way. Yeah, I was like, okay. <laughs> Go out there and do I'm gonna get this man. check either way. So you can say what you want. <laughs> the Lord's request was rejected. The wife of the offender, um, a number of his relatives and acquaintances testified in court as witnesses for the defense, characterizing him in a extremely positive light, if you know what you're supposed to do. However, in October 1990, Jerry Little was found guilty by the jury verdict of the four murders involving rape and receiving nine sentences of life imprisonment as punishment. Also, they tried to give him a death penalty, but the people voted that against giving him the death penalty because uh-huh. they wanted him to essentially ride in prison. They wanted him to deal. Mm. They wanted to go, hey, you know, we want we want him to suffer in prison. It was like a progressive jury. I feel like most people would think you, the death would be a punishment. Yeah. Also... I don't know if I'm calling to speak on somebody's behalf if I know that they're on trial for a quadruple murder, you know? Oh, like for me, you wouldn't do that? Oh, yeah, no, man. You know, I love you like like anything, man. Oh, you, man. You, we're like family. Obviously, you don't. If you want me to go up, they, <laughs> you want me to go up there and say nice things about you and you sit on trial for qu- killing four people? Yeah. Help me out. I don't know. I'm supposed to be like, I'm man, already- you know what, man? <laughs> Fran was a super nice guy yep. to me. I wouldn't hurt a fly. Yeah, I That's can't go up there and say shit like that. Like Never touch the hair on my head. We've played Xbox games all the time. I'll beat him sometimes. He'd never get violent. Yeah. I've never seen him be violent. And they're like, here's an image of him smashing a man's head. This is security camp footage of him stabbing a man in his face. And I'm like, I can't go up there and do that shit, man. I, I, I couldn't imagine getting that phone call to be like, hey, man, we need you to be a character witness. Yeah. And speak nicely about somebody. And, and then, the, and then the, uh, the prosecutor comes up to you and is like, and uh, he used a baseball bat, and he smashed in this person's spleen. What if you didn't know? What if you? What if they called you and they was like, "Hey, man, we just need you to come up here." And <laughs> We're doing a PowerPoint presentation. Yeah. Can you come say some nice words about you your friends? Some shit like, "Well, he murdered four people." And you go, "What?" Yeah, wait, wait, hold up. Whoa! <laughs> <laughs> I was told this was a birthday video. <laughs> I thought we were coming on here to make a birthday video. Yeah, why would we do that in court? Just don't know what's going yeah. on. Like, man, one time, oh, man, we went swimming, and he almost drowned. Boy, it was crazy. What about the triple, uh, uh, he, he ate He ate three people. Yeah. Like, Wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> this isn't a retirement video? I thought he. Re- I thought Frank retired from, yeah. from the garbage plant. This, uh, <laughs> no. <laughs> I thought he retired from being a, uh, what do they call it, uh, a sanitary, yeah. what is, a sanitation. Yeah. <laughs> what do they call being a garbage man, but it's nice? 
Uh, a sanitation engineer. Is that is that, is that I, the purpose? They threw engineer in there, I think. You're a trash man. I'm a, no, no. <laughs> it's nothing wrong with that. It's nothing wrong with being a garbage man, bro. That's you don't got to say I'm a sanitation engineer. I don't want to hear that. Sanitation specialist. Come on, man. Nah, cause, yeah, because you telling me that makes me feel like you don't, you know. You, you're not you, proud of your job, man. Your job all your shit, man. I'm a trash man. man. Ain't nothing wrong with that. Rock was a trash man. That's a great show. You got great benefits. It's a great job. I can't. I pro- <laughs> I couldn't do it because I can't do smells. Yeah. But you can't be going around telling people you're a sanitation engineer. Yeah, man. Some some of those crazies. Yeah, you ever rode? You ever tailgated a garbage truck when yeah. the shit is open? You ever been there? when they first they empty it out? Whew. Oh my goodness. That bottom. That residual. That all thing, that dumpster juice. Oh, all that juice at the bottom. Mm. It's got a it's what, pungent. What would somebody had to pay you to take a sip? To of what? To take sip a, it? To take a sip of that? <laughs> Seven figures. Seven figures? Yeah, probably. Take a sip of some dumpster juice? How about, how about three M's? Three M's? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and take they, a sip and, of some dumpster and, juice. And they got to they gotta pour it out into a glass. I have more dignity. And I'm not like I'm not like taking a trash can to my face. <laughs> you got to dump that out into a glass. You a know, cup. I'll yeah, put one in the plastic red glass. Cups. So how much? Ounce-wise. Like a red cup. Like a red plastic. Like a solo cup of garbage juice? Yeah. That's like eight ounces of juice, man. All right, like halfway filled. I still need about three M's, man. Three M's. Oh, that's okay. ridiculous, Mister. You throw that some crazy ridiculous. numbers out here for way less. What is the number you would do that for? Some dumpster juice? Yeah, hundred thousand. A hundred thousand dollars? <laughs> yeah. Nah, man. I need that's. Come on, man. It's all kind of diseases that could be at the bottom of that. Rats get into that. That's where you know rats jacuzzi and, and trash cans. <laughs> I think so. It's jacuzzi. all kind of rat rat fecal. How do you get them? out? Is holes in the bottom? Holes, man. Chew my rat can metal. Chew yeah, man, rats could chew through a trash can like nobody's business, bro. No, a dumpster. I'm going to dumpster. Oh, the dumpster? Yeah. Oh, I need about five million. Five million? You mean the dumpster where everybody puts yeah. all their trash? No, I thought <laughs> you just meant like my trash. No. At least I have some kind of idea what's in my trash. That's crazy. No, not the dumpster. Oh, no, I need five. I need five, $5 million dollars. To drink a couple of I don't know who's it's juice. baby. It could be baby diapers. It's now it's anybody in the whole neighborhood stuff. Just a little bit of dumpster juice. Oh, man, dumpster juice. Communal communal dumpster juice? <laughs> communal dumpster nah, juice. Nah, not the I can't do the communal dumpster juice. Five million. Yeah, five million that's dollars, ridiculous. bro. That's ridiculous. I need five million dollars. Oh man, that's ridiculous. A hundred thousand. A hundred thousand dollars to drink to drink question mark. You don't <laughs> you even don't know, know what you don't know is. what people do in their house. You know, you getting jerk chicken, uh uh Dura, Dura, Dorian fruit, you getting yeah. all kind of crazy combinations. You know what I mean? Old aspirin. Yeah, just crazy combination. Well, you're not drinking the aspirin; you're drinking just the juice. No, but I'm saying just the, the juice remnants, in the corner of the dumpster. All the remnants, though, all kind of remnants. Xbox controller, really? Yeah, I'm, I'm just saying it's, it's a crazy mixture combination. I did that for hundred thousand. No. Oh, pinch your nose, sit right down. It's no pinching you could do. <laughs> the, the the textures that would be on your tongue, even though you can't taste them, you'd be able to feel them. Yeah, you have to start getting visions of people's life. If you got to think about the hundred thousand, you're gonna get after you just gulp it down. I'm about to throw up. I'm about to retch just you saying this. Move on. It's sick. Five million is ridiculous, man. Come Five on, million dollars is what I need. Hundred thousand. Yeah. Ugh. Chew it. Oh, chew it. <laughs> oh. Like yeah, it's like an old tampon in it. and shit in there. No. Just hanging out the the, the tip. Oh man. <laughs> like an umbrella. Oh, that's crazy. Or they go. Or they go. Okay, you gotta. Yeah. We're gonna soak the tampon. So it's going to absorb into that, and you got to 
No, like a, no, <laughs> no. I'm out. You got. I don't need the money. That you got. You got to do it like a. Yeah, what's, what's those? What's those? Uh, uh, like a crawfish. Yeah. You got. You got to crawfish an old tampon no, of I'm dumpster out. juice. Yeah, I'm out. On that. Five M's. Nope. I'll do it for five million dollars. I'm out. You got to give me ten million to do that. See now you start getting crazy, man. I think five million dollars is an adequate amount to just. No. That, that crawfish slurping noise no, of an old tampon and dumpster juice. That's gross. Nope. <laughs> nope. 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 Ten million. I'm not. We're not. It's not negotiable at all. Ten million. Uh. Yeah. So. Uh. So in 1993, Little appeared for the annulment of the sentence, um, and the appointment of a new trial, which was rejected due to the increase in recidivism among parole offenders. The state of Missouri passed a law in 1994 on the basis of which criminal sentence. Sentenced to long term, long terms of imprisonment must serve eighty five percent of the total sentence before being eligible for parole. Damn. After nineteen ninety three, there is no reliable information about Jerry Little. He could still be in there. Let's just assume he's dead. Yeah. Um. How old is he? Said the sixties. Was he born in the sixties? He wouldn't. Be oh dead. wait. Wait, he is dead. <laughs> All right. Cool. He died in ninety four. Mm. At the age of thirty-seven to thirty-eight, so around. That oh, age. so he died really early. He died early, yeah. Um, but yeah, so that was my story of Jerry Lee Little Jr. Never heard of this guy. Yeah, me neither. Uh, it was a while. Well, I found this story. I found a couple other people. I was like, "What the? F- why haven't?" And we've been uh, we've been doing this for a while now. Yeah. And there's still some that pop up and go like, "Damn, none of us care- covered this story." Yeah. There's not a lot of information on it, so you really got to dig deep. Like, there's some of them you can go on YouTube and find this one. I couldn't. There's no, you know what kept popping up? Mm-hmm. Goddamn, Jerry Lewis videos kept. Jerry Lee up. Lewis. Yeah. Well, hey man, great balls of fire, man. There's talented. Yeah, but that's not what I'm looking for. Well, he's the most famous Jerry Lewis. I guess. Oh, his name's Little. Jerry I guess Lee they were like they were. I guess I guess YouTube Google was like. You definitely meant, you meant Jerry this. Lee Lewis. <laughs> I was like, uh, let no, us, that's not what I'm looking let for. Let us help you out here because you clearly meant Jerry Lee Lewis. I they mean, don't even know who yeah. this guy is. <laughs> Nothing pops up. Yeah, so that was my story of uh, Jerry Lee Little Jr. Yeah, man, fuck that guy. Yeah. Uh, Any questions? No. Okay, cool. Uh, yeah, man. Uh, people should just be able to live their life, man. You shouldn't have to be looking over your shoulder all the time. Like, this dude's fucking following people to their job, yeah. living in an apartment. That's why I, I, I don't know. I never... I'm, I never felt comfortable living in an apartment. Cause you just never know what people are doing yeah. in their unit. Yeah, true. You know, you got it's like right next door. I mean, yeah. like his name was like chopping up people. Jeffrey Dahmer lived in an apartment, didn't he? Yeah, just keeping heads in his. And all freezer. those black people in that neighborhood loved Jeffrey Dahmer. They were like, he was the nicest white man with his glasses, and he never bothered anybody. That shit go down. Then it's like, oh yeah, we have to uh, blow this whole building up. We everybody yeah, has this to go. Is, yeah, this is evil. We have to get rid of this wow. evil. And I bet a lot of those nice black people in that neighborhood would have happily gone and got tricked to be a character witness at his trial. Yeah. Until they found out about the shit that was really going yeah. on. Well, do you know he had eight heads in his... Excuse yeah. me? They, I, I guarantee there was, especially, there was a couple of black ladies from those old footages of them interviewing him. Yeah. That if they would have told him, they'd have went up there and be like, he was so nice. Yeah. I would give him my, my money and he would go play my numbers. Yeah. And he would go to the grocery store for me and they'd be like, this is a head he kept in this fridge. Wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> This is not a, I'm not a reference to, for him to get a promotion to his job. No. No, this is a trial for murder. He ate people. What? <laughs> <laughs> How's he ate people? No. <laughs> How is he? <laughs> <He's>, <laughs> no, I'm sure she's a very smart lady. <laughs> we like just completely fuck up a question you asked him. Yeah. Like that happened to me. I, I tell the, to- the story a lot, but when me and Les got pulled over by that cop and 
we were going down the road and mm-hmm. they came over one way mm-hmm. and then they were like, did you flash a gun at us? And we were like, what? No, we, I flashed, I pointed because you're, you're coming up, oh, you're I coming up the wrong yeah, way down yeah. the road. It's yeah. a one way. And then the other cop was like, you can only go one way. And I was like, what? And then the guy, the main guy was like, yeah, slow down. Yeah. He just like, he just shut the whole thing down. Like, like what the what? fuck are you? I know he was like, what the hell did you just say? Yeah. Stupid shit like that. Yeah. So. I was new. Yeah. It's like, yeah. I'm going the only one way. You yeah, can go. I know it's a one way. <laughs> you, I'm going the one way. You can only go one way. Huh? Have a drive safe, guys. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, they just all got in their Toyota Corolla and just left. Just left. It was weird. <laughs> uh, but uh, let's go ahead and get into these good vibes, man. All right, welcome back, people. It's time for our Good Vibes segment. Uh, my Good Vibe is a little different this week. Um, this is more of, I guess it could be a good vibe. I mean, I think this is spark a good conversation. Yeah, man, Good uh, Vibes are about what makes you feel good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sure uh, there's people out there who will also make, it'll make them feel good as well. Yeah. I, li- I just like this article, so I just wanted to read it, touch on this. So uh, this article is about creamy versus crunchy peanut butter. Mm. Where do so, you stand before we get into it? I am a uh, creamy guy. Yeah, I don't know too many crunchy people. Steph likes crunchy peanut butter. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, I would say so also. Would you say that says something about her? Is that what your article goes into? Yes, it does. Oh, let's do it. Yep. Creamy or crunchy may actually say more about you than you think, according to a new survey. Mm. The poll examined the peanut butter and snacky preferences of 2,000 Americans, evenly split by their preferences of crunchy versus creamy, and found enjoying a crunchy peanut butter May make you have a cheerier outlook on life. Crunchy peanut butter? Yeah. So 63% of those who prefer crunchy peanut butter describe themselves as optimists compared to 56% of those who prefer creamy. You know what it is? Is what I'll say is, I guess you could think that way because if you eat crunchy peanut butter, you're really kind of like, ah, it's close enough to being done. You know what I mean? Like, you're, you're satisfied with something not being all the way done. Yeah. And I'm not. Yeah. You know, some people, like, eat the pizza rolls when they're almost cooked and they, Ugh. like, are still a little frozen in the middle. They're like, Ugh. it's warm enough. It's like eating a, I think that's a the half-done sa- uh, hot pocket. Yeah, I think that's comparable. I think that eating crunchy peanut butter is like, you're like, uh, it's close enough to being done. No. I don't like. I'm not with that. Yeah. <laughs> no. So other personality traits for creamy fans include being more of an early bird and more introverted. Wherever, uh, whereas the whereas their crunchy counterparts were more likely to be night owls and extroverts. Well, you're the only person that I you have like a direct comparison. Like, does this ring true to you? Yeah. You so you would say, what does it say? The crunchy are more up late. It says uh, night um, owls. Uh, crunchy counterparts are more likely to be yeah crunchy or more uh, night owls. I'm a, I'm more of a, a morning person. Okay. I was. So this was conducted by one poll on behalf of Jif. It's Jif, right? And it's called Jif? Jif, yeah. The survey found that a third of all respondents described themselves as extremely passionate about their peanut butter preferences. There's actually a Mandela, a Mandela experience. A, a Mandela? A Mandela, a Mandela effect. Man- Mandela? I think it's Mandela effect. Mandela effect. Either, whatever it is, Mandela or Mandela that says some people think that Jif is Jiffy. Jiffy? Like it used to have a Y on it. But I think that's because they're Skippy. Like Jiffy Lube? Yeah, but they think it used to be Jiffy, hmm. but it's just Jif. 
you. But I think that's because they're skippy peanut butter, and I think people mix up like they're oh, like combining the two, yeah. And they're like jiffy. I think that that's what there's. Some mm. of those Mandela effects, though, I really do. I'm like, Sinbad has been a genie in a movie before. You can't tell me I'm wrong. I mean, the internet can tell me I'm wrong. Why? But I, de- I just, I know I've seen Sinbad in like a shiny designer vest and like pointy Gee. shoes. He has to have been a, a genie in a movie before. They keep telling me, uh, no, that's Shaq. You're thinking of Shaq and Kazam. And Kazam. No, I mm-hmm. definitely have seen Sinbad a, in a genie as a genie. I don't think you have. Well, the internet doesn't think I have either, but I know I feel it. I just feel it in my bones. Anyway, peanut butter. Yeah. So Americans are so passionate, in fact, that rather than asking your date what they do for a living or where they see themselves in five years, you may want to ask about their peanut butter preferences. The results show that nearly half of all respondents said it would be a deal breaker to find out that their date is on the opposite side of creamy versus crunchy debate. It would be a deal breaker for me if somebody asked me that on a date. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I'm really trying to get to know you. Like, yeah, so what are your goals and aspirations? Yeah, I want to be a, re- a registered nurse, whatever. So how do you eat your peanut butter? I'd be like, what? Yeah. I have to go. Yeah. What are we five? Yeah, what what we does it matter? <laughs> <laughs> what kind of animal crackers do you like? Do you like them with icing on them or just regular straight up? Like, I gotta, I gotta go. <laughs> so sixty three percent of all respondents even said they they will pass on a peanut butter. They will pass on peanut butter all all together if it's not the kind they prefer, which is me. I, I don't know, man. If like, I'm really craving a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, and I and I'm at and we know, all we a, got is a cabin, I guess I don't know somewhere where where. I don't have the peanut butter I eat, but there's crunchy peanut butter there. Because nah. there would never be crunchy peanut butter in my house. But, I mean, there's circumstances where you'll eat crunchy a crunchy peanut butter, peanut butter, and jelly sandwich. No. If what? you are starving. Oh, yeah, if I'm starving. Yeah, I'm just saying. So, my point is. But if we're not starving, though. I, but, I'm, yes, obviously. But I'm saying, if I was in the mood for a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, and I was like, I've, like, gotten myself there, and I'm like, I can't wait. Oh, my God. I put the jelly on the thing. Yeah. And I go to grab the peanut butter. And then I see it's got those little bits in it, which makes it look horrendous. Yeah, it looks like it looks like it looks like they put acne in a jar. Yeah, it looks disgusting. I wouldn't. But I just make a jelly sandwich. A jelly. Sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> you keep the peanut different. butter. That's different. I make a jelly. Hey man, you, that's, that's how that much was, you despise. That that's how it was back in the day, in the struggle days, man. Yeah, that's true. You no, make I, a syrup, syrup, syrup I, sandwich. I, I, I've definitely had. You a remember jelly, syrup sandwiches? I've, I've had a syrup sandwich. I had a jelly sandwich. I've had. Choke, I've, you had choke sandwiches. I put, was that just two sandwich pieces of bread? No, that's of bread? that's just uh, peanut butter, peanut butter sandwich. Oh no, I don't need peanut. You butter never sandwich. had a choke sandwich. Peanut sandwich. But I did used to put Kraft American slices on potato chips and make nacho not, um, nachos. <laughs> that is the most ghetto <laughs> thing I've ever heard. <laughs> Throw it in the microwave for like you know a minute. Good to go. <laughs> what? I've never heard of that. Nachos, that is man. Some, I come over to my house and they got some damn. <laughs> You want some nachos, man? Yeah, I made some no nachos. Damn nachos! What the hell is that? <laughs> you can see the squares like <laughs> melted on top of the chips, you know, because it doesn't melt right. <laughs> that is gross, man. <laughs> oh, I agree. I don't know what I was thinking, <laughs> but I ate it though. Wow. All right. Uh, yeah. So when asked to reflect on their childhoods, the results show creamy fans were teased more <laughs> over their peanut butter preferences Never. than their crunchy counterparts growing up. Never. So forty-seven percent. Versus twenty eight percent. Never. Surprisingly, those who prefer creamy, creamy were more likely to be judged for their preferences than those who prefer crunchy, at fifty percent compared to thirty two percent. Um, so at and sixty eight percent of creamy peanut butter fans said that they felt pressure to pick crunchy to fit in 
compared to just fifty percent of crunchy fans. Who are these people? Who are these two thousand people? I don't know. Nobody's ever like put the put the hammer to me like, yo, eat the crunchy peanut butter. Ne- eat it now. Eat the shit. Ne- I never have pressure. Yeah. To eat the crunchy peanut butter. So they're saying it's like the creamy peanut butter eaters are the minority. Are you sure? It's- Wait, did I hear you wrong? With the, the crunchy peanut butter? They're is? saying like the, oh, the, the creamy peanut butter people were being pressured to eat crunchy peanut butter? Yeah. That's what you just said? Yeah. So like as if the crunchy more, peanut butter are, the creamy peanut butter eaters are the minority. Saying, yeah, like it's so more it was crunchy like, peanut butter eaters. Yeah. Like you need to. No. This must be in Utah or something. I don't know about this that. This is some kind of odd state. <laughs> this yeah. is a weird state. Like uh, Maine. We don't know what the hell's going probably, on up there. Yeah. This, is, this is one of those weird states. So both groups do have some common ground. However... Through the love, through their love of animals, when asked about their preferences to dogs or cats, a third of both parties shared um, that they love both species equally. That doesn't have anything to do with how you eat your peanut butter. That's just people thing. Yeah, and another common ground for both parties comes down to making a classic PB and J. Uh huh. As both parties prefer grape jelly over strawberry jelly. Yeah, of course. Well, mm-hmm. I'm not an animal. But now, when I was a kid, there was a short time where I, that I, we got some apple, apple jelly. That sounds gross. Oh, it was good, man. It was so good. That I, I'm not. A, I'm not. I won't eat. I just won't eat it if it's not peanut butter and jelly. <laughs> it is jelly though. It's just apple flavored jelly. No, it's not. It's not great. It's not great uh, you're right. It's not great, but it is jelly. But then it's not. It's not even a PB and J. Then it is. It, there's no, jelly no. on it. <laughs> PB and J. It's specifically. Well, man, you're living in these no, weird no, no, confines, no, 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 no. man. There's jelly no. on the sandwich and there's peanut uh, butter no. on the sandwich. PB&J. I understand what I understand what your conventional brain is telling you, like the purple, the jelly has to be purple yes. and grape. That's but it's PB&J. jelly. It's jelly on it. Nobody goes, I want a PB and J and you come in there with some damn peanut butter and some grape and some apple jelly. I'll tell you like it. this though, if I if I did a blindfold test and just put it in put it in front of you right now, yeah. you would know it's different, but you wouldn't hate it. Yeah. And now if I go, hey man, I'm gonna make you a peanut butter and jelly sandwich with apple jelly, you'd be like, nah, ugh, I will no. go, I will but go. If that's a, not a PB and J. If I made you a peanut butter and jelly sandwich and just Told you blindfold yourself and just eat the sandwich. Yeah, you would know it's not. You would know it's not grape jelly, but you'd be like, oh, I like this." I know. I would go that's, now. Would you like I it more go, than grape jelly? No. Yeah, but, but you would. Like you it. can like it, but I would go. That's not a PB and J. I would well, go. This is, is just a peanut butter. This, this is peanut butter. <laughs> some apple jelly sandwich. That's what it is. It's not a PB and J. PB and J has to be grape jelly. Grape jelly. That's fine. And creamy peanut butter. I don't. I don't disagree with you. Yeah. But I have had a peanut butter and strawberry jelly sandwich, and that's that's pretty good too. They're all pretty good sandwiches. Why? But why? Why did you? Is that? Because I don't know. You don't always. Yeah. You don't always have grape jelly. Sometimes you, you run just out don't of grape eat it. You just don't eat it. You make it yourself. No, man. I was. I was. A, I was a fat kid, and if I had locked my what mind into had? eating is... a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, then I'm. We're going to use uh, <laughs> apple preserves today, or we're going to eat strawberry jelly. No. It's the you peanut butter and jelly sandwich is still going to get eight. And I'm gonna eat eight of it's them. It's not a peanut butter jelly sandwich. It's just a a peanut butter peanut sandwich butter with with some kind of strawberry jelly sandwich. That's what it's called. <laughs> peanut butter. It's very long. <laughs> you feel like there would be an easier name for it because like it doesn't deser- it doesn't deserve peanut butter PB and J PB and J. Okay, fair enough, man. I'm just saying. I didn't know that this uh, crunchy peanut butter movement was this strong. I felt like those are like left-handed people. Like that's an oddity. Yeah. I don't know anybody that eats crunchy, crunchy. peanut butter. Maybe it's, probably hard, it's probably hard. It's probably it probably breaks up the bread, right? That's what. Yeah, when you're spreading it, it doesn't even spread right. Yeah, you spread it, it starts dimpling into the oh, bread. Why do they make it? So they, what if they just did he just get creamy? They only halfway make it. That's no, how you make creamy. They, yeah, but do they get creamy peanut butter? It's an unfinished job. Creamy peanut butter and just throw sprinkles of. 
peanut no, no, no. You just don't do it properly. You just don't. It's like if you were making a smoothie. You just turn the machine on half ass. Yeah, exactly. It's like if you left, right. if you were making a smoothie and you just didn't get a smoothie all the way. It's like still banana chunks and shit in there. Oh. Somebody's getting paid a full day's work to do half a job. And I'm starting to think that maybe we need to do an investigation on this because crunchy peanut butter is just unfinished labor. That person's probably a millionaire. Yeah, it's like, like you oh, know man, what? I we only, should just half ass the peanut. Yeah, I only do half crunchy. the work and get the same amount of money as the creamy peanut butter next to the next to us on the shelf. Mm. Scam. Yeah, their machines—they only have to—they have to change their machines out. Double, well, they get more life out of their machines. Yeah, because the creamy the creamy peanut butter machines they burn out faster. The crunchy peanut butter machines—they are on slow. Yeah, we figured it out, man. Crunchy peanut butter people—they just like stuff. Half ass, man. Yeah. That's that's add that to the, the, the statistics. Yeah, half they like shit half ass. They walk out. They like don't put their shoes all the way on. Heel hanging out of the back of their shoe. <laughs> that's what crunchy pe- peanut butter people are. Half assers. That's I, that's what I'm saying right here. Bullying. Yeah. That, bullying bother, that bothers me. People, bullying. The bullying people in eating. Cr- Nobody's ever bullied me to eat nothing in my life. I ate those nachos because I chose to. That's gross. I opened up that bag of original potato chips, <laughs> peeled those craft slices original out of the Uts? Yeah, uh-huh. All the saltiness. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. With, with the, <laughs> with the math, Kraft American slices, yeah. Wow. I peeled the plastic from around those craft singlets and, you know, put them around those squares on top of that laid out bag, <gasps> oh, uh, laid out bag of chips on a paper plate, popped it in the microwave for 30 seconds, and I ate that because I chose to. Yeah. Bullied me into eating People felt pressure into eating crunchy peanut butter. Never in my life. That's how it was when you used to eat the uh, bologna and cheese. When you had no bread, just warm it up. Never had wait, that? I'm sorry, what? <laughs> 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 you just, wait, 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 wait. Just like the bologna and the cheese with no bread? Yeah. When you had no bread, just warm it up. And what? Roll it On up the plate? and eat? And then what? Eat it. With like a knife and a fork? <laughs> yeah. That's craziest shit. No, but you remember the bologna with the the uh with the shit around it, the the red spray? Yeah, yeah, uh-huh. Did you just chew on that? <laughs> no. <laughs> no. No. All right. <laughs> you take it off. What do you mean? You chewing it a little bit? <laughs> no. For what? Let's throw bologna pieces on it. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't say eat. I don't know. I said yeah, chew it. Yeah, over there, even better, like some gum. Yeah. Bologna gum. Yeah. Nah, I never. It. <laughs> no. I actually don't even want to. Do they still make that kind of bologna anymore? Oh, I yeah, man. They do? Four people still exist? I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody's got to eat it. I'm saying people struggling. I mean, I know? thought it might be different ways to have bologna. I didn't know they still did it. Oh, there's other ways to have bologna, but you can also get the that bologna, they too. You still have it. Yeah, you can still get craft singlets. You can still get all that shit. Hmm. Uh-huh. <laughs> I actually, um, I had, I had a, I had a. It's not even a good vibe story. Nothing can be gooder vibes than the, uh, the laughs I just had. So I'm, yeah, I'm fine. That, fine. that that made me feel good. Hopefully that made y'all feel good. Yeah. I don't. This this story I have is not interesting. Yeah, so please don't eat uh, uh, uh yeah. regular bags chips with uh crafts. Uh, don't singles. heat up uh bologna and cheese uh steaks. <laughs> you gotta do what you gotta do. Yours sound like it was like a after dinner <laughs> snack. <laughs> Des- yeah, uh, it wasn't. Uh, yeah, I wouldn't say it was based in struggle. I was more of me being experimental. But uh, <laughs> that was just me being fat and being like, "What? What happens if you put cheese on the chips?" I'm gonna make I nachos, want, but I want, different. I want, you remember the picture with you? I want dessert. Yeah, I'm gonna go. What if, that was me every day. I'd be like, "What if you took bread and?" <laughs> 
I used to make homemade donuts and all kind of stupid shit. And I'd be like, what if I took this bread and, and rolled it up I into made homemade cinnamon rolls out of wheat bread? Hmm. And then I used to make all kind of goofy I shit. I remember man. one time I was at your house and you made breakfast. And you made, it was like sausage and mm. it was all kinds of shit in the pan. <laughs> I ate it. It was good though. I was, it was like, fire, bro. Like, you cook everything all together, man. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> Hey, okay, yeah, you take the raw sausage, right? You cut it up into bits raw. You crack about three eggs into the pan. You drop the sausage in there. You put the cheese in there. And then you, you know, uh, you just mix oh, it all God. up together, man. Yeah, man, I was experimental, bro. I'm like, I'm like Emerald Lagasse, bro. I was like, bam. You don't know. It doesn't, might not always look good, but it's going to taste good. And it's never going to be good for you. It's never going to be healthy. Putting put in, peppers and shit on Yeah, that. yeah, yeah. Put in, oh, uh, God. put in cheese, craft singlets on top of potato <laughs> chips is the most crazy shit I ever... You know... That was the day, that picture, that was the day you made that. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> like, we walked out of a Golden Corral. I was like, I'm feeling like, I'm feeling like dessert when I get home. What do we have? And I just, whatever we have, I was like, I got potato oh, chips. We don't have nachos. Man. I have potato <laughs> chips and I got cheese. I, we don't have like... I, what it is, I used to love the nacho cheese from the movie theaters, but yeah. we didn't have that. So I was like, well, if you heat up craft singlets, it melts. Like, it'll be melty like, like, <laughs> it'll, be, it'll, be, it'll be melty like nacho cheese is. Oh, shit. But I was wrong. And a, yes, hot, and a hot and a hot potato chip is not good. <laughs> <laughs> it gets all soggy. Yeah, it's not good at all. It is not good at all. It is actually very bad. <laughs> But you know something? I ate all of it because I'm not a quitter. I'm not a quitter. I don't eat ha- I don't eat crunchy peanut butter. I ate every single chip on that plate with the cheese on it. You're not you're not in the category of liking crunchy peanut butter. Exactly. You know yeah, I'm not a quitter, but I don't have to do anything half fast. I made those chips and I ate all of them because oh, I eat man. my peanut butter creamy. My stomach hurts. Man. <laughs> uh, before we get out of here, once again, I will oh, encourage shit. people, man, please go watch Fake Famous. It is a very entertaining documentary. Um, I have not finished it yet, but I cannot wait to go finish it. That's probably actually what we're going to do once we finish. Um, but this has been another episode of Affirmative Murder. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Uh, please like, subscribe, do all that stuff that they tell you to do on the other podcast. We want you to guys to go do that, too. I don't know what all this stuff is, but just go do that stuff. I don't know. <laughs> Support us in however you can. Yep. Thank you very much. I've been Alvin Williams, joined, as always, by my partner in true crime, Franco Evans. And we'll see you guys next week. Peace.